Alrighty, as we find our seats, we will have today's reading from John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by the name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and how you instruct us, how you build up your people, how you form a people for yourself into your likeness through the power of your word, through the power of the gospel. Would you give us attentiveness and openness to how you are speaking to us, each one of us here today, now, in our lives, through your spirit, working in us, Lord. Give us a humility, give us an openness, Give us an eager expectation for what it is you want to do in our lives and in our work and relationships in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, welcome again to those joining us online. Um, we are continuing uh, in a series of the I Am's of Jesus, and really in the the flow of this series, we're just trying to get a sense of who is Jesus. Who is this person that we, as Christians, worship? Why do we worship Jesus? And what does Jesus show us about who God is? And it's not surprising that this I am, shouldn't be surprising, this I am, as do a lot of them, come in the midst of some controversy. Uh, in, in sort of the middle of this, the context of this, Jesus is comparing, he is contrasting himself with other people, including people he is regularly interacting with, that he is labeling as essentially frauds and imposters. Uh, you, I'm guessing many of you are probably familiar with some of those, uh, the letters that you get in the mail from some sort of financial institution uh, some sort of lending uh, company or bank or insurance company. And, and all of these, basically, these letters start out essentially the same way. 
It's something along the lines of, you could be saving thousands, right? You are missing out on, on hundreds of dollars or, you know, switch now and, and you are just probably missing out on boatloads of cash. And now I don't know if you've ever uh, traced any of these offers through, you've done um, some of the comparison to, to the bottom of this, usually it ends up about the same way. Usually if you actually do the full analysis of what this offer is, you find out, no, I'm actually better doing what I already have. The only person really benefiting from this is, surprise, the company. And this is really a little bit like what Jesus is saying here. He is contrasting himself with other people around him, people who have come before him, people who are among his contemporaries, people who come after him, and he's saying, I am the real deal. Everybody else out there, they're really just trying to rip you off. And this is the main point for the sermon this morning, and that is go through Jesus to find abundant life. Remember, in this I am, Jesus is, Jesus is saying, I am the door. So Jesus is the door. Go through Jesus to find abundant life. And I want to look at this passage in three parts. So who, there's really just three questions. Who is Jesus? Who are the thieves? And the third's more of a personal question. Are you finding abundant life? Are you finding now abundant life? So first of all, who is Jesus? We're fortunate to be living on the other side of chapter 10, verse 6, because if not, we're probably going to be with everybody else in chapter 10, verse 6. This is what it says. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Fortunately, verses 7 through 18, Jesus is going to explain himself. He's going to unpack some of this more. But the figure of the speech that the people do not understand or the two analogies, or two metaphors Jesus is using. And he's using these back-to-back, so it can easily get pretty confusing if you look at this whole passage. Jesus is saying that he is the door, and that he is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Now, most of us now recognize these are two clearly different and distinct things, as Jesus is saying, and that's because he's trying to say different things about who he is. So for our purposes, we're breaking these up into two weeks. This week is Jesus as the door, and next week, Pastor Fernando is going to look at Jesus as the good shepherd. But because these two statements come kind of mixed together, I want to spend a little bit of time this week talking specifically about this idea Jesus mentions a number of times. He talks about this in verses 3 through 5 and in verse 8. And that is, he's saying that his sheep listen only to his voice. Jesus' sheep recognize his voice, they respond to his voice, they follow his voice, they they know him, they trust him, they stick close by to him, and anybody else they hear, any other foreign voices, they're not going to listen to because they know, okay, that's not my shepherd. Now, I think this can present some difficulties because if you're like me, you know that there are a lot of times you listen to plenty other voices that aren't Jesus. We have a lot of other interests, a lot of other goals 
that we, we find ourselves pursuing that aren't necessarily Jesus. Right? And a lot of times, even if you're a Christian, Jesus' voice can sound pretty soft or, or comes through pretty muted. So, you know, what do, we, what do we make of this? And I think there's two things going on as Jesus is saying these things. One is, he is prescribing what needs to happen, right? What should be happening if you're a Christian. You should be growing increasingly more and more attuned and adept to hearing and recognizing Jesus' voice so that you also get faster and faster at recognizing counterfeit voices. That, that should be what's happening. And, and really, this is how it works in every area of our lives. Right? As you grow, as you mature, you get more and more adept at recognizing counterfeits in life. Right? Many of you, my guess is, right, you're, you're probably pretty fast, you're probably pretty adept at spotting various scams or spam email or texts, you know, things like that. And chances are, if you're like me, you might get faster once you're taken in by one of these once or twice, and, and you start learning. So that's one part of what Jesus is saying, that we need to get more attuned to hearing what Jesus sounds like so that we're not duped by counterfeits. But there's something else going on here as well. And if you have Bibles with you or or an app with you, I ask you to skip down to chapter 10, so the same chapter, and verses 27 through 29. Verses 27 through 29. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So we can see here that hearing Jesus' voice, responding to his voice, is connected to hearing and believing his voice in the Bible, right? being saved. And that is connected to the fact that if you are a Christian, Jesus has laid his hand on you. God the Father has laid his hand on you. You have responded, you have believed the message of the Bible because Jesus has claimed you as one of his sheep. You are his. He knows you. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you wander off and be destroyed by some pretender. That doesn't eliminate our responsibility, our accountability, but if you're a Christian, you need to know this. That Jesus is carrying this responsibility. This is what he says as he comes to the end of his earthly ministry. Jesus says in John 18, he's praying to the Father, Of those whom you have given me, I have not lost one. So if you're a Christian, Jesus is carrying this commitment of making sure he doesn't lose you. That you keep following his voice. We have accountability, but Jesus has commitment that he carries. 
So I want to return to the imagery here of Jesus as door. Jesus says he is the door. Now what does he mean by that? He's saying that he's the only way of getting to God. Jesus, Jesus alone is exclusive access to God and the life that comes on the other side of Jesus. This, the, these green pastures, the abundant life. And the, the only way that you get to those things is by going through Jesus. And we'll talk more about those things in just a moment. But I, I want to turn to our second question. And that is, who are the thieves? Who are these thieves that Jesus mentions? He mentions them a number of times. Verse 1, verse 8, verse 10. And, and he, he tells us, or he describes these people as essentially everyone who tries to come for the sheep, and they come around some other way. They don't use the door, which is Jesus. And these people are thieves and robbers, and they only come to steal and kill and destroy. That's what we learn. All right, so what do we do with that? What do we make of that? How do we recognize a thief? What does a thief look like? How do, how do we spot one? Well, they come in all different shapes and sizes. In fact, uh, in English, as well as in Greek, the words for thief and robber have different connotations. A thief is somebody who's a little bit more deceptive, a little bit more subtle, or use a little bit more trickery. You know, robber is somebody that's a little bit more forceful, going to use uh, intimidation, force, um, violence perhaps. But Jesus is saying both of these, the way you can recognize either one of these is that they're not using me. I think the easiest way for us to apply this, to get a handle on this, is start, I want to start by looking at religious and spiritual teachers, and then we can circle outward from there. Okay, so Jesus is saying when it comes to people who want to talk to you about spiritual things, God, morals, ethics, uh, your values, how you live life, best way for you to live life, which actually there's a lot of people who want to talk about those things. He's saying that there is one simple test. Are they talking about Jesus? Are they pointing you to Jesus or not? Now, this is not necessarily as simplistic as does the person mention Jesus, or they mention his name. The question is, are they talking about who Jesus really is? Are they pointing, are they directing you to use Jesus as the only way to get abundant life? Or are they trying to take you in another direction? Is something else the focus of their message? Jesus is totally unique in this way. It's it's actually pretty easy to spot because there's no one else like this. There's no one else who makes this claim that Jesus offers to give up his life for us. That we believe in him, we trust in him, and then we just receive as a free gift all of these blessings of eternal life, 
of peace with God, of peace in our own lives. Everything else is a man-made construction. Every other system, every other lifestyle, every other spiritual path is something you do. Some way that you need to make yourself better. Just think about the other spiritual leaders of Jesus' time, or these other Pharisees, Jewish leaders. They believed in God. They would have talked about God a lot. Everything that they were saying supposedly had to do with God. But, when you got down to it, it was really just this elaborate system where if you followed the right rules, if you celebrated the right days, if you ate the right food, if you gave the right amount of money, then God would accept you. Then he'd be happy with you. And Jesus is saying they are thieves. They're robbers. They want to steal your life. This is actually a pretty incredible statement that Jesus is making because you think about the Jewish religious leaders. These were very pious and respectable men. There's not people that you're going to see and anybody's going to label as that's a, that's a gang member or, or that's a con artist. That's not the type. That's not the vibe they're giving off. But I think if we can understand why Jesus is calling the Pharisees thieves and robbers, we're going to be able to understand why that term applies to people who might more obviously fit that bill. So think about what is it that a thief wants? What does a thief want? What does he want to do with the sheep? Well, very simply, he's just trying to get in and get the sheep for his own benefit. He doesn't care two cents what happens to the sheep at all. In fact, probably he is going to kill the sheep for his own profit. And that's what Jesus is saying that the false teachers are doing. It's not necessarily that they're squeezing money out of their followers. That could be the case. But the only thing that they're interested in is their own profit their own benefit, their own reputation. I want to look good by having all of these people following me. Or these people think that I'm good. These people look up to me because, well, obviously I'm living such a good and respectable and self-controlled life. And so, I will crush you by laying on you all sorts of burdens, all sorts of obligations that steal your life away. I don't really care, as long as in the end I'm going to come out looking better. Hopefully we can see that as we dig into this, the thieves and robbers, they're not just somewhere out there. It isn't just... You know, this person leading some weird cult or some, you know, obvious pyramid scheme or multi-level marketing ploy, right? It's not just the televangelist huckster, right, who's out there telling you you've got to invest your seed money in the kingdom of God and God will turn around, give you 10x ROI. That's, 
That's, that's part of it, but we can find thieves, we find robbers in good Christian ministries, good Christian churches, where the focus shifts from pointing people to the free, abundant grace of Jesus to, you know, you should really try to pitch in a little bit more here. You should try to uh, support what we're doing uh, in this church, in this ministry, a little bit more. And, and, you know, as you take more of an active role, then this ministry can be everything it's meant to be, everything God wants this church to be. Whenever you find that the emphasis has shifted from Jesus or in His finished work on the cross, instead the emphasis is on some particular leader, some particular program, or you are dealing with a thief who wants to use you. They want to chew you up and spit you out for their own personal gain. This is Ezekiel 34 talks about this sort of thing and how angry, angry God gets at these shepherds of Israel, which would have been their spiritual leaders, who were doing this sort of thing. He says, this is 34.3, You eat the fat of the sheep, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. It's the same idea. Instead of caring for, instead of feeding the sheep, they're using and abusing them for their own personal gain. Now you notice the difference when it comes to Jesus. He is the only teacher, he is the only message out there where his loss, his sacrifice is your gain. You are not sacrificing for his gain. God does not gain anything from you. You're not supposed to go out there and earn it. You're not supposed to go out there Monday morning and make something happen. Make something happen for God. Walking through the doorway of Jesus means that you are receiving by faith. He's everything that you need. Let me go on to the last question. And that is, again, more personal and just, are you finding abundant life? Are you experiencing, are you right now finding abundant life? Now, I think one of the first things we've got to talk about when we ask a question like that today is the prosperity gospel. Right? Because I haven't done the research, I haven't vetted this out, right? but my guess would be if you were to go out and you know, just Google search, uh, you know, abundant life, that phrase, probably like 50% of the ministries that you would find are selling some sort of prosperity gospel, right? Essentially meaning um, that if you, you know, give faithfully to, to this church, right, so that the minister can get his own private ministry jet, right, then God will hook you up with your, your new car and your new house with a, a nice big backyard or maybe a couple vacation spots, maybe even your own business. Now, hopefully we all know, but it probably doesn't hurt to stop and be clear that this is never 
what God promises when he talks about an abundant life. This is never how a relationship with God works. If you think you can treat God like some kind of investment machine, like you put in this and then you're going to get out this amount, and you might as well just flush your money down the toilet. Right? Or just, you better yet, just go ahead and you buy yourself a new wardrobe or the flat screen. Just cut out the middleman. Okay? Yeah, it's just like a better use of your money. But there are things, I should probably add, there are things that God says about the fact that you can't outgive God, but that's not this text. This text is telling us that Jesus, Jesus is the door. It's through Jesus that we go in and out and, and we find pasture. This is verse 9. You, you basically, you'll go in and out as you will, and you will find pasture. Now, what's he saying? What's he trying to get at? What are the two things that a sheep needs? Safety and provision. Safety and provision. Right? So, so that you will have this door, you'll have this, this pen, right? That you will feel safe within this, and, and you will have provision. You will have green, abundant pastures. Jesus is telling us as long as we follow him, as long as we stick with him, you're going to be safe, and he's going to provide for you. He's going to give you everything that you need and more than you need. And I don't care if you are a sheep or you're a dog, or you are a child, or you're a student, or you are retired. We all need the same things. We all need to feel safe. We all need to be provided for. Every day, every day we need those things. And Jesus is saying, I am going to do that for you. I am going to take care of that. In the Sermon on the Mount, In Matthew, Jesus tells us, look at the flowers, look at the birds. I'm going to clothe you better than the flowers, and I'm going to feed you better than the birds. I am going to take care of what you need. I want to return again, though, to this concept, or just, just hover on this concept of abundant life. Because this is really the key concept. This is what Jesus promises at the end. And this is really the central, the original lie of Satan. You go back to the, the Garden of Eden, you know, what, what is it that Satan is saying? He, he talks to Adam and Eve and says, hey, you know, how about that tree over there? And you know, it's got some really good fruit. And they say, no, God told us if we eat from that, we're going to die. And Satan tells them, you're not going to die. God just knows, God just knows that if you eat that, you're going to be wise like him. But you see, do you see the one and only core trick that sin has? God is holding out on you. God is holding back from you. There are good things out there. There are good things for you to have. And God, God is just like this like mean old lifeguard at the pool, right? He's got his arms crossed, and he's just looking around, says, no splashing, no jumping, no diving, no smiling. Just you know, sit there and put on another layer of sunscreen. In reality, 
Jesus is telling us that he came to give us life. Not just any type of life, abundant life. Life to the full is what Jesus is after. And I got to tell you, this has got to be, throughout history, to this day, one of the biggest obstacles. People either becoming a Christian or or fully embracing what it means to center your life on Jesus. This this missing out idea. I, I know it was for me and continues to be. I grew up in a church. I grew up around plenty, tons of Christians. And I can tell you that as a young man, looking around, looking for people who were living life to the full, it did not strike me that they were formed Christians. They're the ones that really have got this nailed down. I think that's a really serious charge. It's a charge we've got to take seriously. And, and weigh. And I think that there's, there's two things that I would say. There's two things I would say now to my younger self. And one of them is negative, one of them is positive. And I'm going to close these two things. On the negative side, I think we've got to be really, really careful and very, very thorough when it comes to looking into exactly what is, what is an abundant life. What is that? Because there is a picture that the world holds out to us of the abundant life. We all have a pretty good idea what that picture looks like. It's going to look like some iteration of you being very wealthy, very well liked. And there's a thousand different ways that will get you there, a thousand different variations of that, a thousand different products that will help you to achieve that. And this is what Jesus says about that. And this is what I want you to to really sink into your ears and to my ears. Jesus says that outside of him, all of those things are thieves and robbers. They're thieves and robbers. They want to steal and kill and destroy you. You believe that? That's really extreme. You wrap your head around that? That every other door, every other option that is not ultimately centered on going through Jesus is a thief that is really only going to steal and kill and destroy you. It will use you up for its own purposes and it will leave you dead and discarded. Jesus isn't telling us to go through him because he's a killjoy. He's telling us something about the reality of life and what we were made for. He's saying that everything else that you look to, everything else that you want, everything else that you are striving after, that you think is going to bring you happiness, whether in the short term or the long term, it is actually a thief. It is going to steal your life away. It's going to rob you of your joy. It's going to drain you of your contentment. And we've got to say this to ourselves when it comes to sin. Because sin looks good. Sin always looks good. 
But sin always has one and only one purpose behind it. It wants to steal and kill and destroy you. So that's, that's the negative side. There's a positive side we also need to look at. There's a positive emphasis from Jesus, and that is that Jesus wants us to know that he wants you, really wants you, to have abundant life. He wants you to have an abundant life. Not just that you're saved from hell in the next life, right? but to have abundant life now, full. Right? And God has no problem with riches or comfort or pleasure, right? but those are just never the focal point. You, you look at how he describes an abundant life. Those things aren't the focus. They, they tend to be on the periphery. If you want a picture of the abundant life, I recommend you look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's contentment. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You catching the imagery there? It's peace. It's a sense of of peace there. There are plenty of very successful people that you will meet. It's also very obvious have not had their soul restored in a very long time. And Jesus is saying that he offers a peace, a tranquility of spirit, a joy that will transcend our circumstances. And in the midst of that, he also promises that he is going to anoint your head with oil, that your cup is going to overflow. That there is a gracious and abundant sort of provision and satisfaction that comes from God as we simply walk with him and trust that he is going to give us the best, the best stuff. He's going to give us that abundant life. Would you pray with me that God would help us to do a better job of actually getting the most out of life? Let's pray. Lord, would you remind us, would you speak to our hearts again and again and again? We're very quick to forget. Every day we forget where we can find life, who you are for us, what you've given for us, that you are good, and that you know what's good, you know what's best, even when we can't always see that. Would you sink that into our hearts so that we can walk with you by faith and and continue to enjoy the abundant life and more of that that you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen.